Today's show is sponsored by Okta, the leading independent identity solution. Okta provides best-in-class authorization so your customers and workforce can safely access what they need most right when they need it from anywhere. Organizations around the world trust Okta's identity cloud to sign in, authorize, and manage users, whether it's employees, contractors, partners, or customers. And with Okta's developer tools, you'll never have to build authentication again. Our customizable code blocks are flexible and future-proof with easy-to-use APIs and SDKs, so you can do less coding and more shipping. Okta is dedicated to building the most reliable, neutral identity platform because it means protecting more than a login. Identity is protecting people, their ideas, their work, their brilliance. It's protecting your future with confidence. Learn more at Okta.com. That's O-K-T-A.com. Cloudcast Media presents from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delp and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome back to the Cloudcast. We are coming to you live from the massive Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Hope everybody is doing well as we continue into April of 2021. Um, if my voice sounds a little bit hoarse, it's because uh, this could be called the Pollen Cast. Uh, if you're living here in the southern part of the United States, it is uh, Pollen Central. It's basically like a giant yellow fog. Happens every time uh, about this time of year, and uh, it affects me like nobody's business. So I'm just trying to get through the show without sneezing, without coughing. So hopefully we can do that. Let's jump right into Cloud News of the Week so uh, so we can avoid some of that coughing and sneezing. Kind of an odd week. Uh, lots of news, but uh, not the normal kind that we tend to have, which is you know acquisitions and funding and, and other things like that, mergers. Uh, this week was a lot of just sort of random stuff. Um, first up is the U.S. Supreme Court ruled in favor of Google uh, in their case, longstanding case, uh, with Oracle. Oracle had brought charges that uh, Google had violated uh, Java copyright uh, APIs, and um, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that that was not the case, that uh, Google was well within their right to uh, re-implement uh, an API that was, uh, I guess they deemed open source. So I'm not a lawyer. I'm not going to uh, kind of try and uh, explain what happened. But basically, uh, Google won, Oracle lost, and uh, and that's that. So uh, next thing on the list was Azure, uh, who had an outage of some of their major services, some of the live services, Xbox and so forth last week, came out with their postmortem. Uh, folks are getting better at their postmortems when their cloud goes down. Uh, this one was DNS. Uh, it's always DNS. So, uh, you know, it's sort of like uh, Groundhog's Day. It's, uh, it's always DNS or it's always the network. And in this case, it was DNS. Um, Intel had a launch of their Ice Lake uh, platform, their new chipset platform, uh, 10 nanometer, uh, going to improve performance 20%. Um, so for those of you that like to follow hardware, uh, I know there's been some news uh, about Intel, both um, sort of positive and negative, you know, new CEO, uh, make big investments they're making. Also, uh, you know, we've, we've covered a little bit of the ARM stuff. Uh, we will be covering some of the new uh, Intel stuff coming up pretty soon. So look forward to that. We'll dig into that a little bit more. I know some of you love the software and some of you love the hardware. So we will uh, be digging into that space as well, kind of looking at uh, where Intel's going. And then finally, um, you know, we, we do a thing on Sundays, we, we've done a few times, uh, sort of lessons learned from some technologies that were were big and, and sort of hot at one point in time, uh, and then, you know, sort of faded away, and we've done some lessons learned. Uh, I don't know that we'll do a lessons learned from this one, although we may include it uh, as part of something. Uh, the Mesos project, which was you know, came out of, uh, I can't believe it came out of Berkeley. I think it also came out of Twitter. Uh, some work done there eventually became Mesosphere. Uh, you know, a lot of, you know, was its own uh, Apache 
project, uh, spawned things like Mesos and Marathon. So really kind of one of the original uh, container orchestrators was really, really focused around big data, uh, did a lot of work around um, kind of establishing or creating some of the concepts that eventually got adopted by Kubernetes. Um, so, you know, some of the ideas of things like uh, operators and, uh, you know, separating out the um you know, sort of low-level platform from the applications that run on top and things like that. But uh, the Mesos project has basically said, hey, um, there's not enough activity with the maintainers, and we are essentially going to shelve the project. So RIP Mesos, pouring one out for you, kind of the OG of uh, container schedulers, especially at scale, um, didn't necessarily break out into uh, great, great commercial success. Uh, Mesosphere was probably the, the the primary company with that, eventually became, uh, became D. 2IQ, day 2IQ, and uh, eventually they sort of moved over and, and adopted Kubernetes and so forth. So pour one out for uh, for Mesos. Uh, you know, glad we knew you. They were around when, uh, you know, Mesos and Swarm and, and Kubernetes were all talked about as the, uh, the big three trying to sort out who was going to win the uh, container orchestration wars. So with that, we're going to wrap up. Uh, we're going to wrap up Cloud News of the Week. We're going to dig into um, some fun stuff looking at, you know, kind of what uh, what it means to put together software supply chains and uh, and some of the, the tooling that goes along with that. So very excited to do that with some good folks from GitLab coming up right after the break. Today's show is sponsored by O'Reilly. O'Reilly is known for its animal books, which have helped tech professionals stay ahead for over 40 years. Today, its online learning platform at O'Reilly.com takes learning tech to the next level. Sure, your teams get access to thousands of books and videos, but there's also interactive learning where they can get hands-on with tech like Kubernetes, Python, Docker, Java, and more in live dev environments. So they learn by doing, not just reading. With live online sessions, your teams learn from the biggest brains in AI, software architecture, cloud, data, programming, and more. They can even prep for tech certification exams with official materials and interactive practice tests. And then there's O'Reilly Answers. You just ask the search engine any tech question and it takes you right to the best answers from O'Reilly's renowned books. It's why 66% of all Fortune 100 companies give their teams O'Reilly Online Learning. Get a demo today at O'Reilly.com. That's O'Reilly. Today's show is sponsored by Datadog, a cloud-scale monitoring platform that unifies metrics, logs, and traces from technologies like Istio, AppMesh, and Envoy. Plus, Datadog's service map automatically plots out the dependencies in your microservices architectures for seamless, context-rich troubleshooting. With rich visualizations, algorithmic alerting, and more than 250 vendor-supported integrations, Datadog allows you to monitor your distributed applications in real time. Start a free 14-day trial today by visiting datadog.com cloudcast, and Datadog will send you a great free t-shirt. That's datadog.com cloudcast. And we're back. And folks, you know, one of the things that we, we're always doing these days with shows is we find that so many topics tend to to overlap. Uh, you know, sometimes we'll be talking about technology. It overlaps with sort of current trends that are going on or an event that went on. Um, sometimes it's, you know, it's it's DevOps and security. And so we blend things like DevSecOps and, and other stuff together. And, you know, these days, more and more, we're hearing about kind of how not only we build software and CI and CD, but, you know, more so we're talking about software supply chains and kind of all the things that go into not only 
where does your raw material come from in terms of software? But, you know, how do we integrate third party pieces of it? How do we know uh, what's good, what's bad? And ultimately, you know, how do we get this stuff into, into production? And, and that's a complicated thing. It's a complicated set of machines, uh, systems, processes, people and so forth. And, you know, we've never really dug into it kind of in that breadth and depth. And so we thought we'd really kind of, um, you know, bring on someone to help us have a good perspective on all the things that need to go on to make that happen and do it successfully. So very, very excited to have uh, with us today, Brendan O'Leary, who is uh, not only part of the CNCF board for uh, for technology, but also senior developer evangelist at GitLab. So Brendan, welcome to the show. Great to have you. Brian, thanks so much for having me. Uh, really happy to be here and, and get to chat about all these really important topics today. So thanks for having me. Yeah. So you know, I mentioned software supply chains in the opening. Um, you know, that's obviously been in the news quite a bit. People have heard heard about like the solar winds hack, and and we'll get into that stuff. But before we dive into that, sort tell us um, tell us a bit about your background. You have covered and worked on a lot of different things, but give folks um, some of your background, and then what ultimately brought you to be in you know kind of passionate about this uh, developer productivity space. Sure. Yeah. Thanks. And. Yeah, I, I've spent most of my career in software. Um, I kind of started in, you know, your traditional IT um, when I was younger and break fix and, and all that good stuff, server maintenance, um, but got into software pretty early. I spent um, a long part of my career in actually medical software, which is like kind of an interesting yeah. <laughs> uh, vertical when it comes to software, you know, you kind of have to be right. Like you, you don't get right. to be wrong uh, in that in that space. Um, uh, we were specifically, uh, looking at radiology and women's imaging. So we were working with, uh, breast cancer detection and all that. So it was, you know, very pretty high stakes <laughs> kind of software environment. And then I, I swung the other way that's still high stakes. And I worked, uh, for a government contractor to the U S department of defense, um, for some time and, you know, got to see kind of the scale, um, of a, you know, massive enterprise, one of the largest enterprises on the planet. Uh, try to deploy and be consistent about deploying software. Um, that was really interesting. And kind of my whole career I'd spent in engineering management and product management. Uh, and I'd always been thinking about, you know, developer productivity and what it meant. Uh, the story that I tell here is when I was at that healthcare software company, uh, I was walking from the CEO's office back to my office. And down that hall, uh, the server room's on the way and the server room door was open. Which is like never a good sign. Like the server room door is propped right. open. <laughs> and in there, uh, as I look to my left, is uh, one of my most senior developers. And he has a server on his lap with a screwdriver in it. Um, and that server happened to be the Redmine server, for those that remember Redmine. And um, you know that, that's where all the issues were stored that we were working on. And it went down and he didn't know what to do next. So he started fixing the server. Uh, and that's when I kind of realized that <laughs> Developer tooling uh, is something we kind of were taking for granted up until that point, um, but is really critical because what I wanted him to be doing was spending time on, you know, our you know cancer software, not on uh, a screwdriver and a server, and and so that got me really interested in that space, and uh, I got lucky enough to then join GitLab, who you know we think about that all the time, developer productivity, uh, how you know DevOps teams can really work to deploy better software faster. Uh, and so I've been really privileged for the past uh, three years uh, to work at GitLab where I get to think about this all the time and, and see people do it across every industry. Uh, yeah. So it's really been great. Yeah, no, that's that's very, very cool. It's, uh, yeah, the, everybody who's been around this industry for a little while has one of those stories where 
you you see the thing where you're like, oh my god, that that how did that happen? I mine mine was I years ago. I worked at Cisco. We had this huge lab that we all used for uh, you know testing stuff out and recreations. And and one morning we all walked in on a Monday and all the cables were unplugged. And the story was basically somebody was in there on a Sunday. They were trying to recreate something. They couldn't get it to work, and then they couldn't figure out which cable was which. And they just started pulling them all out. And you're just like. <laughs> I don't know how we would ever like, yep. <laughs> but yeah, it's it, the stuff that you could never imagine sometimes happens like that. So, um, yeah, we live in an interesting industry. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's talk about sort of, I, I'll call it the sort of the state of, of developer productivity in, in 2021, like, you know, you get a chance to talk to a lot of developers. You, you also get a chance to see kind of the systems that they have to work with both good and bad. Um, you know, what do you see that, that, people tend to do well these days like sort of what how have they evolved things that that work well and then what are still the biggest bottlenecks that they run into sure yeah no that's a great question uh i think really brian where we've gone as an industry is we've gotten a lot better about that uh and i think that uh you know back again back when i tell that screwdriver story right like we had a Redmine server we had an svn server we had some svn some git um, and we had a whole bunch of other, you know, tools that we were using. And again, we were maintaining those tools and spending a lot of undifferentiated time uh, from our, our developer teams really on doing that. And I think over the last, you know, 10, maybe plus years, right, since we've had this kind of concept of DevOps, we've seen folks start to think about, you know, the DevOps platform as a whole, right? It's not just an individual tool that does this one thing. And it's completely separate from everything else. We've either seen, uh, you know, large enterprises spend time and effort in making their own DevOps platform out of those various tools. Uh, but at the same time, in the DevOps tools industry, we've seen consolidation where those uh, tools are becoming one, right? And obviously, that's kind of GitLab's take on the world, right? This single application across the entire DevOps lifecycle. Um, because there's there's a lot of benefits to that. Like we want to really realize the promise of DevOps in, hey, this means everyone needs to be working together from the same, you know, sheet of music, if you will. Right, right. And so I think that that move towards DevOps platform has been something that has been rather universal. Um, again, at large enterprises, that often takes the t- shape of like a tools team uh, who is dedicated to building a platform that everyone else can use. Um, and in small organizations and then increasingly in larger organizations, we're seeing you know, a lot of that be farmed out as there's consolidation in industry. And I think the second part of your question was, well, what, what are we not good at? I, I think, you know, when it comes to integrating security into that same thing, um, that's what's still really lacking, right? It's like 10 years ago, it was, well, we maybe we have CICD integrated, I don't know, right? Nowadays, that's kind of table stakes, right? You've got to have the CICD integrated with your code base and have that kind of seamless and Again, not everybody has it, but I think everybody knows they need it. Um, and and most folks do have it probably. But when it comes to bringing security into that same process, I think there's still a lot of opportunity to be had. Um, yeah, I, I would agree. Security is um, security's kind of that funny thing that um, you're never really sure if and it, and it always depends from company to company. Like, is it viewed as more of a of an application thing? Is it viewed as more of a of a platform thing? And, and kind of depending on where the perspective is on that, it kind of dictates whether or not you you get 
you know, good hygiene or sort of this throw it over the wall, include them at the end type of thing. So yeah, I, I would completely agree with that. I, I The other thing you mentioned I thought was really interesting was, um, you know, your focus is on application teams. I think application teams have this sort of natural bias to be like, how do I get rid of work that slows me down, right? Like it's it's kind of an inherent thing that they are constantly thinking about. Whereas, and so, you know, the, the GitLab platform, which is, you know, brings together a bunch of capabilities that, again, are about, you know, how do you take all this, I don't know, cruft, if you will, that gets in the way of developers. And it's weird that we don't always see that necessarily like on lower level platforms. Like we still see lots of people that are trying to build their own Kubernetes platform and the operations teams love mm-hmm. the idea of like, hey, look at all these things I can put in my resume. Um, it, it is very interesting to see the difference in mindset between app dev people and the way they value time and, and the operations teams and, and how they value time. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point. And, and what, you know, I think as we, as enterprises and business leaders try to, to, to capture both, you know, the energy that's in both of those mentalities, um, you know, it's important, like cycle time in my mind is the time to optimize for, right? Like the time that we can get something from being an idea to market. um, That's the competitive advantage, right? We, I talk about how, you know, Mark Andreessen famously said, and it was, uh, almost almost a decade ago now that software is eating the world. Um, I think software's eaten the world, <laughs> yeah. right? And yeah. um, and your you know competitiveness is going to depend on your ability to deliver software faster. Like it just is. It doesn't matter what industry you're in. Um, you know, some maybe were changing faster than others. Well, then we have a global pandemic, and it's like everybody <laughs> is has to have an answer. Um, you know, I saw a funny meme on the internet early in that said, you know, who was the driver of your, uh, digital or your DevOps transformation? Was it the CEO? Was it the CIO or was it COVID-19? Um, I think we've, we've really seen businesses have to pivot, um, and be able to deliver better software faster in order to like compete in their industry, even if it's not a software industry. Yeah, no, I would, I would completely agree. I I'm curious, you know, there's always this trade-off um, that people will say about, well, you know, can we can we improve where we're at uh, by applying better tools, or do we really have to sort of rethink how we're organized, or you know, kind of what our processes? Are? The the answer is always somewhere in between there. But have you found kind of one approach versus the other? Kind of you know, tail wags the dog, or you know, kind of one drags the other in better, or um, do you find we're still sort of you know? not exactly sure if like the best way to fix this, do we do it with technology? Do what we do with people or is it, you know, is it 60, 40, 70, 30? Uh, how do you, how do you tend to see success in the market look like? Sure. That's a great question, Brian. And I think, um, you know, <laughs> probably my, my CMO would want me to say, well, it's a tool and you just right. go by GitLab and it's all solved. Right. Um, but I mean, I, if we're being honest with each other, I think that's a 30% right part of the, the problem like sure uh your tools can greatly uh enable your ability to do um this you know bringing software to market faster uh they can also greatly inhibit it right if you're spending a lot of cycles on um on those tools but in the end i think it's it's really a context switch of what are we optimizing for right and are we optimizing for each stage in the devops lifecycle like if I'm in security, I want to optimize for that stage. If I'm in operations, I want to optimize for that stage. And if I'm a developer, I want to optimize for my stage. 
um, right? That's this kind of disparate, not only disparate set of tools, but disparate set of, like you were saying, uh, goals and, and, you know, what are the ways we measure success? Uh, I think it's much, the most critical part is having uh, senior leadership very focused on, you know, the criteria for success being ship uh, better software faster. And, and we've seen even in data, right? If you look at uh, the Dora data, right, out of the DevOps yep. Research Institute, um, we've seen that faster doesn't mean less secure and faster doesn't mean more problems. It's actually, you know, that, that muscle of, of being able to deploy software consistently and quicker. Actually, you also builds the muscle of security and build, it builds the muscle of, of uh, you know, changes that don't break production, right? Those muscles get built when we're actually spending time focused on that that those you know very simplistic well seemingly simplistic but but can be very tricky metrics um that that focus on the end result rather than each piece of the pie yeah yeah the door the door stuff is is always really interesting obviously jez and, and nicole do an awesome job with that stuff but i it, it's always an interesting report because it's I, i've always found it is the the thing that if you really dive into it and you really understand it it makes a ton of sense. And, and at the surface level, it always seems like the most counterintuitive thing that you've, you know, to, to what the muscles that you built up, right? Like you said, like uh, more changes is, it creates better security. Going faster creates better flow. And you're like, it's, it is, it's a hard thing to kind of get past people if they don't, if they're not willing to dive into it a little bit. For sure. And I, and I think it's, you know, I mean, digging past the data to the, to the more qualitative side I don't think it's just necessarily, you know, that one-to-one relationship. I think it's the attitude that causes each, right? Each of those things come from the same attitude and the same focus on cycle time, um, the same focus on differentiated work, right? We want our teams doing differentiated work that benefits our customers, not undifferentiated heavy lifting that could be done everywhere. Um, I think it's that focus, right? I don't think, you know, <laughs> if you just start deploying more often, you magically get security. Right. Um, but I think if you focus on improving the process, right? I mean, this is something that we would have learned from manufacturing for years and years, right? We're going to focus on improving the process as a whole, and that's going to going to increase quality on, you know, coming, rolling off the end of the assembly line. Um, and not that I think of software as an assembly line, but there's, I think there's lessons to be learned there for sure. And I think that if you have to move faster, uh, you then you then necessarily have to integrate security directly in, right? The story I tell from like my time in government contracting was, you know, super critical end user, right? This was uh, we were developing software for U.S. Special Operations Command uh, intelligence software, and so we do this in this massive, you know, uh, eight wink product increments, right? Because we had all these teams involved, of course, contractors everywhere. <laughs> and we get to the end and they'd be like, wait, who can run the security scans? Is it you? Is it who, who knows how to do that? Who's got the login, right? And we'd go run the security scan and there'd be 175 things. Uh, and then we'd have this like choice, this for lack of a better analogy, a Sophie's choice of do we deploy what the customer needs, like knowing these things, or do we you know, hold up another X who knows number of weeks to fix everything. Um, whereas each one of those things, if it came up when the developer was making the change, it could have been really obvious then to say, oh, you know what? I'm not doing this the right way. You're right. Let me fix it. Or, oh, you know, this is definitely a false positive because X, Y, and Z, because we're in that mindset, right? We as developers, you know, I'm, I'm, 
a developer, uh, amateur developer by, <laughs> by choice, I would say. And like when you're in that flow and you understand, you know, you have the mental, uh, load of understanding how everything's interconnected and you're working on the specific section of code. Um, that's when you want to hear about, Hey, there might be an issue with this security thing because that's when you can make the, a really smart decision about it or have a smart discussion with the security team about it. Versus if it's three weeks later, you know, I, <laughs> the developer is going to say, ah, I don't think it's anything. I think it's a false positive. And the security person is going to say, Oh no, I'm really worried about this because X, Y, and Z. Uh, and to get to a common ground, you've got to go spend all this work again to get it reloaded into, into your own memory <laughs> yeah, yeah. and figure it out. Um, I actually want you to put your, uh, your, your, your GitLab CMO hat on a little bit. I, I'm curious. So GitLab does an awesome job of bringing together, uh, kind of all the pieces that you need from a, you know, uh, supply chain perspective, a CI CD perspective and so forth. And, and again, the goal is always, look, if, if your focus is on cycle time, on faster flows, um, you know, the fact that we just happen to bring all these things together, we make it easier to use, it's a better UI, all these sort of things is is awesome. How do you how do you sort of counter the argument? And I don't I don't mean this as a as a GitLab pitch, but like it's a common thing that people see. How do you sort of counter the argument where there's there's that loud voice in the room that goes, Yeah, but what about my tool? Or I I can't use mm-hmm. this thing. Like how do you find that's something that you sort of counter with, well, let me show you a different way of thinking about it. Do you counter it with sort of numbers and statistics of like, Hey, this is going to make you this much faster. Like what are some of the ways? Cause everybody runs into these situations where you're like, boy, I think, I think we have this sort of better mousetrap, but there's this one squeaky wheel, you know, like how sure. do you, how do you find sort of counter that to get people back to going, you're getting more value out of this than, than this one-off problem that you're bringing up. Sure. Well, that's a, that's a great question. And and it's one that, like you said, we face a lot because you know, the question is, hey, if we're going to have a single application, well, what about, and then insert, you know, right. the, the tool from here and there. And, and I, I think there's two, there's two ways of looking at this. First, I, you know, we have this extremely transparent company. And I think one thing that can help people is to understand the story of how we got there. Um, and we're really transparent about it. And where that is, is, you know, we had GitLab, right? And GitLab, of course, started with Git and was all about, you know, source code management. And um, Dimitri, uh, our co-founder, was kind of tired of building it. So he wrote a thing called GitLab CI to, you know, do continuous integration. And it was a separate application and it, it was written in Ruby and it was great. You know, it did what it needed to do for GitLab. Uh, and then we had an open source uh, contribution come along of this thing called the GitLab runner to run these CI jobs. And it was written in Go, which opened up a lot of doors because, oh, Go can run basically in any architecture. And so now you can run builds in any architecture. Oh, well, that's really interesting. So we took that in and became like kind of the the way to run CI jobs. And we actually also hired the person who wrote it. Uh, his name's Camille. Um, he's a great guy. And Camille had this argument of like, no, we should make it one application. It should be GitLab, C- GitLab right? It should bring CI integrated. And, and Sid, our CEO, and, and Dimitri said, well, you're wrong because <laughs> Unix philosophy, many sharp tools, like they're as integrated as they can be. The APIs are, you know, perfectly in sync. Like, no. And, and Camille was really persistent and we ended up doing it. And what we found then were all these emergent benefits, right? Like, I think there's a lot of, you know, kind of general benefits that you can say like, oh, okay, I've got, you know, one tool, I've got less things to, to deal with. But, you know, this huge emergent benefit of 
having a single uh, source of truth, having everyone really on the same sheet of music, having really somewhere that non-engineers can get involved and see the developer process, you know, having really some place that that centralizes, you know, the security not only of your application but of like what are all the permissions, right? Who has permissions to what, <laughs> right? And that, that's a huge sprawl problem, especially at a large enterprise with many tools. Um, and then just the context switching, right? The little things in context switching, reauthentication, you know, that those little slowdowns like add up really, really quickly. Um, and it seems really obvious, but, you know, have everything you need at all times makes you more efficient, right? Like, and, and that's this like very emergent benefit that came. Um, on the other side, you know, we have our general unfair advantage in the market, which is we're open core. And because of that, A, you get kind of the best of everyone's thoughts um, on, you know, how to run security. And so you don't just have a company, you know, that may have started in static code analysis and then expanded to the rest of security. Because we say security, but there's really a lot under there, right? There's static code analysis. There's dynamic code analysis. There's, you know, dependencies is a whole thing, right? We're talking about supply chains, like where is stuff coming from? What dependencies are we bringing in um, to our code base? And those could be ones that come in our code base or it could be the dependencies in our, you know, what we're building, right? We, we're all building Docker images nowadays. Well, guess what? Those have multiple layers that are bringing in other dependencies that you're not even thinking about. Um, and so we also take this super wide look at security um, being that we kind of, you know, have everything at our disposal. If we're building your code and we have the code, we can do static code analysis and analyze the container that's actually being built um, and do a lot more than that. At the same time, um, you know, being open also allows people to integrate, right? So if you do have that security tool that you love and you can't get rid of, like, okay, integrate it with GitLab. Here's um, some tools that already do integrate or here's the JSON spec and just output JSON like this. And now that will come into your merge request, right? Uh, And that merge request will still be the central source of truth, even if there's another system involved. Uh, And then that merge request becomes the place where you make the, you know, go, no go decision about merging something in, right? Does it have all the approvals we need? Does it have all the security checks passed? Um, Is it, you know, ready to go from every team's perspective? Um, And so that, you know, tracking the change that's being worked on and not blocking anyone by from having to go look somewhere else to make a decision is, is really a huge uh, benefit. And, and the more you adopt, then the more benefits you gain, right? So if you just use GitLab for um, source code and CICD, okay, you already have some benefit, right? You've got this kind of integrated system, but as you start adopting more and more of the system, you see more and more benefits. So you don't necessarily have to like go rip everything out tomorrow and, and replace it with a whole GitLab stack. You can kind of slowly, uh, realize more of those benefits. Gotcha. So it doesn't, I, I, you know, if I, if I summarize that up, it's, you know, not only have you guys sort of lived this life, right? It, it's, it comes out of, uh, you know, kind of shared experience, uh, having grown up with the product and, and so forth, but, um, you know, you're not sort of forcing this monolith on folks. You're bringing them sort of incremental things that as they snap together, uh, sort of one plus one equals three or five or seven or, or how it goes, which is, a little bit different sometimes than you see people who who sort of start with something huge and complete and they go, you should use all this stuff. And it's like, yeah, but I don't want one piece of it. You guys come from a different perspective, which I think is, is very, very interesting. 
Um, let, let me ask it kind of a, a separate question, and we'll kind of get back to a little bit of, of the market and the things that you're seeing. Um, you know, I mentioned in the, in the top of the show, uh, obviously, people saw a lot of, of news and press about about what happened with solar winds, and you know, it's still kind of unraveling, and and you know, kind of we're learning details about it. Has that been uh, a good thing in terms of? kind of bringing awareness of the things that, that you bring value around uh, to people. It, you know, it's, it's front and center. It's obviously, you know, executives are like, Hey, I don't want to, I don't want to be part of those headlines. Do those types of things help in terms of going, Hey um, yeah, this is, this is a real thing. Um, Or does it, is it just sort of part of the natural noise of our industry? Do you find? I, I think they help. So you know, I don't. I don't know that it helps GitLab per se, but I think it helps us as an industry, right? Mature, um, and and kind of raise raise the 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 water level for everyone um, when they think about, hey, look, like SolarWinds is this very professional company, hugely successful. Um, you know, you know the 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 way that this got in was you know through kind of typical um, you know supply chains that almost everyone you know counted on um and so in that sense i think it, it helps because it helps makes us make us all more conscious of the supply chain right i i actually spoke at um fostem uh last month uh about the solar winds hack and and just supply chain in general um and i call it you know strong is your weakest link right we call this thing a supply chain <laughs> for a reason um and that is it's a chain and the weakest link in that chain is going to get exploited. Um, and we're going to see more of these kinds of, uh, vectors of attack where it comes from, Hey, look like solar winds wasn't the target necessarily. Right. right? right. Um, they were the vehicle to, to get to the target. And, uh, we're going to see more of those kinds of things, right? We've seen, you know, people doing funky things with, uh, at the NPM registry to sit on, you know, different, um, common names and things. And, you know, we've got to all be really conscious about what comes in the door. We've got this fantastic world of, of open source that lets us move a lot faster. Um, but it also brings in a lot of supply chain complexity. Um, and that's something I think we all, you know, are learning the lessons. And like you said, no one wants to be that person with the call, um, from, you know, you know, from, from the FBI or from, from Congress to come testify. Right. right. Um, n- nobody wants that. I, the, the thing I say, and I think that that makes the case for this, you know, this DevOps platform, right. Again, just make the case for GitLab. Sure. You like uh, <laughs> a lot of opinion there, but I think it makes this case for this DevOps platform that like security cannot be a separate thing. It has to be integrated to the entire life cycle. Um, and and I've been saying that for a long time. I think we've all been saying that for a long time. But we've we've really keep seeing how it 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 can come back to bite you if it's not right. I mean, we saw it with Equifax, right? This was yep. you know the Equifax hack was similar in the sense that it was an open source vulnerability in Struts, Apache Struts, that had been patched um, by Struts, but sat around for a year and a half in production. Um, and so you have to have the code base integrated with your dependency management and dependency security tools tightly enough that you can find that, right? Like when Apache struts, you know, this thing comes out um, or the next or solar winds or the next thing comes out, you know, everybody's CEO is going to pick up the phone and call maybe you uh, in the morning. Cause they're watching, you know, they're having their breakfast and watching CNN, watching something break. 
Um, you know, you don't want to be then trying to figure out, oh, wait, where do we have Apache struts in our infrastructure? Right. <laughs> right? You, you would ra- you, what you want is an integrated tool where you've already read your email before that phone call that says, hey, these are three repositories that, you know, have Apache struts in them. And there was a vulnerable, there was a patch released overnight. And we've created the merge request for you automatically to update. And we've run all your unit tests and, and actually we deployed it to Canary in production and there's no, 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 no problems, no issues with increased error load. Uh, do you want to go ahead and deploy it everywhere? <laughs> and you can say yes. Um, so the jury answer to that phone call is, yeah, we've already deployed the fix, right? Yep. yep. Um, and, and that seems like a crazy, you know, I used to tell that story and say, well, this is what our CEO says, <laughs> you know, two years ago. But I mean, that's the reality. That's what, that's, that's what we need. Um, right. Right. You know, kind of, kind of systems that can help protect and, and they have to be integrated, right? They has to know, security system has to know what's in the code. Code has to be able to deploy without you worrying about it too much. That, that all has to happen. That's right. Making, making your breakfast that much less stressful uh, day in and day out. <laughs> hey, one That's last question. Point. One last question before I, I, we wrap up and I let you go. Um, just, you know, real quick, two or three things that uh, kind of tips you have for, you know, developers or teams that, that want to get more efficient. What are, you know, what are, what are some of the two or three things that you're always like, start here or these things always work? Yeah. I would say if you don't have C, you know, continuous delivery, I think everybody has CI. I'm going to make us maybe a big assumption, but I'm going to assume that you have the ability to bring your code together and build it with CI. Um, I don't think everybody has reliable CD and deployment that they can rely on. I think um, I saw a tweet from uh, um, somebody from JFrog the other day that said, you know, my favorite part about DevOps is how it makes me able to be lazy, right? Like you want to, not be SSHing into machines. You want your deploys to be automated completely. And so spend the time now to do that. That's one of those few things that is clearly on the correct side of the graph of how long it takes you to automate versus how much benefit you get from automation. Uh, and so I think that's one thing for sure. And then I think the next thing is, you know, get security integrated to that pipeline somehow. And, you know, you won't be able to do everything at once. You won't be able to boil the ocean in a day you know, as much as you can bring in, if it's just static code analysis, right? There's lots of open source static code analysis uh, tools out there. You can obviously do it with GitLab out of the box, but whatever you're using, you know, get some level of security in your pipeline so that you're not at the end of a release cycle every time before you talk about security. I think those are the two things. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, Brendan O'Leary, thank you so much for, uh, for the time this afternoon. We, we appreciate it. Uh, it's always good to, to learn from folks who, you know, have been not only living this, but have, but have been on the other side of the fence and, uh, and seen some of the horrors when you don't get it right. So thank you so much for, for teaching us a little bit today. Um, folks with that, we're going to wrap it up. We want to, we want to thank Brendan for myself and for Aaron. Um, you know, as always, we, uh, we thank you for listening to the show. We thank you for telling a friend. Thank you for, uh, you know, giving us feedback on, uh, Apple podcast another place where you can give us some some ratings and feedback so with that we're going to wrap it up and we will talk to you next week thank you for listening to the cloudcast please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows show notes videos and everything social media 